the Cape Independence can fix when nothing else will. And that's and that's the message of Cape Independence. We didn't we didn't wake up dreaming of Cape Independence. For those people who are still sitting on the fence, we get it. It's not that we were longing for Cape Independence. I'm an immigrant to South Africa. I came here to come to South Africa. I didn't come to an independent Western Cape. But I but but I've got a wife. I've got children and I want them to have a future and they're not going to have a future if we allow South Africa, the South African government that the, the other eight provinces want to elect to destroy this country. We've got to save what we can and 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 build from there. Good morning Soweto. My name is Donald and welcome to Worldview. At Worldview, we explore everyone's perspectives on all things that can broaden our worldview. If you've liked our content so far and enjoyed it, please consider liking this video, subscribing, and donating on Patreon. Today, we're talking with Phil Craig. Phil is a family man, a serial entrepreneur, and a co-founder of the Cape Independence Advocacy Group. He is working towards the creation of the Cape of Good Hope, a first world country at Africa's southern tip bringing freedom, security, and prosperity to all who live there, regardless of their race, religion, and culture. Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you, Donald. Thank you very much. Very nice to be with you today. So Phil, the Cape Independence Advocacy Group, what is it trying to achieve short-term and long-term? Well, I think the, the long-term goals are, are fairly easy. We want to uh, we want to create an independent sovereign state um, in uh, in the Western Cape, in the current Western Cape borders, uh, which uh, which can be uh, prosperous and uh, a first world country that can create a, a better life for, uh, for for everybody who who lives here and and those who want to come here once we've uh, we've created the country. Uh, in terms of, of short-term goals, then obviously to achieve that, there are a couple of things that we're going to need to do. And I think the uh, the first and foremost thing is that we need to, to get sufficient democratic support um, that the majority of people want to have Cape independence uh, so that we, were, that we would have the, the democratic support of the people of the Western Cape. And uh, then to go alongside that, we, we clearly need to have a, a government that's willing to act upon that uh, mandate. So effectively, they're the, the, the two things that we need to do. We need to get the support support of the of the Western Cape people or a majority of the Western Cape people and we need a a government that's willing to act upon their mandate and to pursue Cape independence on our behalf and the boundaries what what is the boundaries of this new Cape of Gouda so uh, so so the so the first and foremost we're working on the existing boundaries of the Western Cape um, and I think the obviously in in terms of under international law then we need a, a defined territory we need a defined population um, and yeah, all of those things are very easy to demonstrate in the Western Cape. There is an existing provincial boundary. Uh, there are existing uh, um, uh, elections. It's very easy to determine who should be in, who shouldn't be in, and what the democratic will of those people are. So the starting point is, is the existing borders of the, of the Western Cape. I think it's fair to say, um, and I think probably from, from, from our point of view as, as a sort of very rough guideline, we make the assumption that people who reject the, the, the ANC 
see in the EFF, in, in what I like to classify uh, racial socialism, um, uh, then are likely to rather be on the on the on our side of the border than on the on the side of racial socialism. And uh, broadly speaking, that can be equated to, to to people who vote for the DA as opposed to the ANC or the EFF. Um, and if we look at a, a map of, of of electoral results, you know, you'll see that the southern portion of the Northern Cape and the 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 um, westernmost portion of the Eastern Cape are traditional DA areas. Mm. Um, and I would suspect that once we got into the serious negotiations negotiations of of an independent Western Cape, that uh, that those territories would would be wanting to find a way to 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 throw their lot in with us. Um, and I think then that would come down to the democratic will of of the people in 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 those areas. Certainly, from our point of view, we're happy for the borders to be defined democratically. Um, and perhaps there are people along the inside of the Western Cape border who would prefer not to be in an independent Western Cape. And I think that the final border can be defined uh, democratically uh, by, by the wishes of the people. But I mean, if, to all intents and purposes, our starting point is the existing borders of the Western Cape. OK, so not Northern Cape included. Not Northern Cape included initially. Um, look, the Northern Cape currently votes for, for the ANC, so it's going to be very hard to motivate uh, that the Northern Cape wants to have independence from the, the political party it votes for. Um, you know, so I think that, the, the, you know, obviously I have a lot of sympathy for people in the Northern Cape who say, what about us? But unfortunately, the starting point for the Northern Cape is to is to vote against uh, the government that they want to escape. It's going to be very difficult for any organisation to make a, a good case for them escaping if, if, if they keep voting voting for the people they're wanting to escape from. Well, that's interesting. So you have sort of a pragmatic approach. If you follow that logic, wouldn't it make sense then to make the boundaries even smaller? For example, just aim for, I don't know, the Cape Town, Metropole, and that part of the Western Cape first, and then expand upwards. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure that would necessarily be easier. So I think I think that would uh, that would probably ha involve a number of assumptions that that I probably wouldn't make. So first of all, I, that would involve uh, that would make the assumption that support for Cape independence was stronger in the Cape Metropole than in the in the Plathalands. Um, and I, and I, I suspect the opposite is the case. I think probably, uh, you know, we certainly find the most resistance to uh, to, to Cape independence is, is is amongst the sort of the the, the left leaning in, mm. intelligentsia, um, and I think they're probably yeah, more more easily found in in the in the Cape Metropole. Um, and then also one of the criteria for a, for a sovereign state is is that the is that the territory seceding um, and the territory from which it secedes must most must must both be be economically viable after the secession and um so I think you know, for example, the Cape Metropole itself would struggle to say that it was going to be, uh, you know, self-sufficient in terms of agriculture and so on. So I think for, for and and then we come back to the voting results too in terms of the provincial government and so on. So so there's there's, there's a hundred reasons why the Western Cape make, makes far more more sense. Okay, um, so I've heard you say you want to apply pressure on a DA to pursue this. How do you sure. see that playing out? Why would the DA go with this route? Well, the DA is a political party, and and I think the one thing that we can guarantee for any political party is it'll do it'll do what it perceives to be in its best interest, um, and I think that certainly is 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 the case with Cape Independence. So I think we, um, yeah, one of the models we look at an awful lot in in terms of planning our actions is is the Brexit model, um, and uh, you know Brexit was obviously very efficient, and, and and there's a lot of parallels between Cape Independence and and Brexit, mm. uh, albeit that yeah, Brexit wasn't wasn't a true success 
succession and and that is that you had a political party that was that was in in government and in in brexit case it was the it was the conservative party uh, who didn't necessarily who didn't necessarily support brexit themselves but the majority of their voters and a large number of their mp supported brexit mm. and brexit was delivered by people who leveraged the internal support amongst the conservative party to to, to bring that about um and I think yeah, that's very much the situation with the DA. Look, we know from our polling that the majority of Western Cape DA voters support independence. And we know from our interactions with a number of them that, 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 that many DA MPs support Cape independence. Um, so there is, uh, you know, th there is already substantial support and sympathy. And clearly the DA's formal policy is for federalism. Uh, they are actively campaigning for greater autonomy for the Western Cape. So we're not a million miles apart to start off with. Um, and and uh, clearly, you know, for the for the DA is going to do what's best for for the for the DA. Um, and I think in terms of Cape independence, you know, the DA only govern one province; it's the Western Cape. Um, right. And if the DA were in fear of losing their majority in the Western Cape, and they are in fear of losing their majority in the Western Cape, uh, then that's obviously a point of leverage, uh, and and a point of leverage that yeah you know, they they've they've openly talked about, and we we openly have said that we that we that we seek and we do leverage that against the. the the DA, um, and, and at this point in time, the Cape Independence Movement and the and the DA are, are getting ever closer. With the other you know, DA, don't currently support Cape Independence, but they really are very far away from it. And I, and I think we're very confident that once the political landscape um, is uh, plays out the way that it's likely to play out, I think that I think the DA will. You know, they don't need to support Cape Independence. They they effectively need to take up a neutral position uh, and allow their own MPs and their own vote have a referendum absolutely just respect the democratic process and, and i think uh, in my mind there's there's no doubt that, that eventually uh, sooner rather than later the, the da will respect the democratic process and allow a referendum on cape independence and we've already seen that they've they've already brought this private members bill to uh, mm. to fix the referendum legislation they're already committed to to calling referendums yeah we, we, we really aren't very far apart at this point in time oh that's very interesting i didn't think that um the, the, the situation is so close that the DA would actually realistically, I don't know, soon actually endorse such a position or become neutral on such a position. I've, I thought with people like Ellen Ziller and John Stiernes, and that was still a long time away. Yeah. But it seems like the, the pressure is on them to go that route. Sure. Well, I mean, I think people have to ask themselves and say, look, you know, this this referendum legislation that the DA is, you know, in the last couple of months has announced that they're going to bring a private member's bill to fix the referendum legislation to allow premiers, provincial premiers to call referenda. Um, so you have to look and say, well, which premiers? Well, the DA have only got one premier, so it can't be any other premier than Alan Windy um, or whoever whoever is in, in that role. So first of all, the DA is calling this so they can call a referendum in the Western Cape. Um, this this issue with the legislation has 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 been there for 27 years so why all of a sudden after 27 years does the da suddenly want to fix this referendum issue uh, to allow its one one premier to call a referendum i don't say that's for cape independence but i think we yeah we we, we know they're pushing for uh, greater powers we know they believe in federalism um so uh, you know we, we we really aren't that far apart are we so um People like Ellen Zilla and John Steenhuisen have said that if we secede, we'll be we we hit with these massive tax bills for Kuber for I don't know what's the Cape Town port. I mean, within a month we're going to have seventeen trillion dollars in debt, like the United States. 
what what is your response to that well so so yeah i i think we have to take a stop a step back and we can we can we can yeah we can look at those individual points in a second we have to look and say look the da hasn't come to cape independence and they're all at cape independence now but the, the, the da hasn't got to the point where they're fixing the referendum legislation because um this was always on their on on their bucket list um you know they're being forced there by political pressure and and, and by this really sizable movement in the in the western cape and, and things like you know the, the riots last week just everything just throws more fuel onto the onto mm. the fire and and emphasizes that you know we're we're on our own and we're going to have to govern ourselves and the sooner we get on with that the the better so, so, but the DA have a problem. You know, yeah, 69% of DA voters, I think it is, are, are outside of the Western Cape, uh, and and they that, so and and you know a lot of their their supporters and their MPs outside of the Western Cape are less are less um, positively inclined to Cape Independence as those inside the Western Cape for obvious reasons, and and therefore. You know that the, the the DA has to sort of formulate some position to say what's it what's it going to do, especially that the majority of its voters in the Western Cape they know want independence, so it has to find some justification for 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 for, for not allowing a referendum. Although I think we're going to end up there, um, and for opposing Cape independence. So we've seen them take up all manner of positions, and what tends to happen they not haven't been funnily enough terribly well thought out, and and a number of the, the positions that they have, they adopted to sort of say Cape independence is is not such a great idea they've sort of moved on as soon as but as soon as you knock one down it's a bit like whack-a-mole another one comes up so we saw initially that that John Steenhuisen talked about the tax situation um, but then a number of economists came out and said well no actually the Western Cape is going to be is economically viable and in many ways will be better off as an independent country mm. and uh, you know there's data from the Treasury and and uh, you know the Western Cape is, is a is a is, is, is a net contributor to the South African fiscus um, so uh, so actually we're subsidizing the rest of South Africa along with Gauteng so the, so the tax thing is slightly nonsensical uh, then then we sort of moved on from there and Alan Windy has and he's persisted with his I'm a I'm a South African and and uh, you know quite embarrassingly I think there was a bit of a time delay with Times Live so we had this slightly farcical scenario where where Times Live entered a video where uh, Alan Windy was saying he didn't believe in referendums and uh, that people should should actually express their views at the poll. And then seven days later, the DA announced they were fixing the referendum legislation so Alan Windy could call a referendum, which he just announced he didn't believe in. And, and that kind of is a little snapshot into the into sort of the, 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 the sort of the the the, the, the DA's p position. I sort of. Um, and and you know and obviously more recently we've had this one where 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 Helen Zilla talks a lot about the wall and the borders and and and, and so on. Um, but in terms of of tax itself, the Western Cape is 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 um, is a net contributor to South Africa and will unquestionably be better off financially, better off as an independent country. So I think we're far more likely to see taxes fall than taxes rise. Um, when we start talking about individual assets, then it just becomes even more bizarre. I mean, look, here's the situation. South Africa pays in, sorry, Western Cape pays in 13.9% of South Africa's GDP. So every asset that South Africa owns, the Western Cape has paid 13.9% of it. Um, the Western Cape houses 11% of South Africa, or 11.1% of of South Africa's population, and it receives 10.1% of the provincial allocation to provinces. So we're paying 13.9% in, and we're getting 10.1% back. So yeah, and then you get this scenario as well, who's going to pay for Cape Town Airport? Who's going to pay for Simonstown Naval Base? Who's going to pay for Coburg? Um, 
and we forget that the people of the West Camp have already paid for those assets. We've overpaid for our share of everything. And if you want to say, well, hang on a second, you only paid 13.9% of Cape Town Airport, which will be the truth, uh, then you have to say, well, OK, but we paid for 13.9% of Awatambo Airport and we paid 13% of, 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 of King Shaka Airport. So actually, the, the bottom line is we've overpaid our share and those assets are our assets, the same as South Africa's assets. And, and equally, so is the debt. You know, the colossal debt that South Africa is laboring under, I don't think anybody in, in, in secession is going to think that the Western Cape is going to walk away without its share of the debt. So actually, it's a nonsensical argument. Of, yeah, we've got assets. And you look at things like Simonstown and you look at the Parliament building, all of which actually the Cape Colony took into the into the partnership in the first place. You know, Simon, Simonstown Naval Base predates South Africa, um, yeah, as does the Parliament building. So they're, just, they're slightly nonsensical is the honest answer. Yeah, so if you if you follow that reasoning, it's like you can also say, okay, they're saying we're going to pay for Kuber, etc. But you can make the argument, but the ANC or the South African government that remains should pay us for King Shaka Airport and what, because we help build those things. So they should also pay us out. And I mean, if you do the equation, they have to pay us more than we have to pay them at the end, at the end of the day. Absolutely. What are they going to do? Take Kuburg with them. Uh, you know, it, it's just a nonsensical argument. It's, 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 it's a distraction to get away from the key issue, which is what do the people of the Western Cape want? This is about democracy and the democratic will of the Western Cape people, and the rest of it are side issues. We often talk about the, the, the analogy of a divorce because it's a very good one, and you don't start the divorce by arguing who gets the car and who gets the TV, and you start off by deciding, does this relationship work, and do, do we want to carry on in this relationship, or do we actually want to split up and, and, and strike out? on our own and that's where we are cape independence is about what are the people of the western cape want what's their democratic will and the rest of it is detail that needs to be worked out and some of that detail is incredibly complex it's not I mean, we're not suggesting for any second that it's going to be easy but the whole notion that hang on a second the people of the western cape should should be forced to labor under a government they hate which is incompetent and corrupt um because actually somehow we haven't got the wherewithal to work out the calculation of who's going to who oh who what over kuburg is is just an, an idiotic argument just for interest's sake what um how do you think the immigration issue will be sorted out if the Western Cape would secede? How would you like handle citizenship issues and stuff like that? Well, so a lot of these things are, are really quite simple, again, in my mind. So in other words, you know, I, I did an analysis of the, of the G20 countries, the top G20 countries, um, and pretty well. They all have identical immigration policies. Some might need four years to qualify for this, and some say, you know, they need six years to qualify for that. But effectively, the same criteria apply across all of the top economies of the world. And South Africa's own immigration policy is almost identical to those to those countries too. And the Western Cape would simply use the same policies, more or less, as South Africa and also with the G20 countries. So at the point that we have independence, if you're living legally in the Western Cape and you're a citizen of South Africa, you're qualified to be a citizen of the Western of, of, of the Western Cape. Uh, and that'll be your that'll that'll absolutely be your choice. And that won't be based on race or language or, or any or culture or, or religion or anything like that. If you're here, you're here. Um, and, and, and that will be the, the basis for which we which we start. We're certainly not looking to, to, to do anything that would be that would be remotely controversial thereafter. We would we would we would look 
to promote skilled immigration, much as most countries do in the world, you know, Australia, the UK, Canada, and South Africa itself, ironically. Yeah, or, yeah, South Africa is a bit of a bizarre situation because what it says on paper and what actually happens at its border are two ridiculously different things. If you're, you know, and South Africa has just got the worst of the whole system. So if you're a highly skilled doctor who wants to come and ply your trade in South Africa, it's an absolute nightmare to get in. Mm. But if you're an unskilled uh, laborer who's got no assets, you just climb over the fence and, and and you carry on. So clearly, that isn't a scenario that we would we would encourage. But we're going to want to have people of of all colours, all races, all languages coming to the Western Cape because skilled immigration is what builds economies. And I think we can understand that, that in in the post independence environment, there would be a massive returning of people who just love South Africa, never wanted to leave in the first place, and actually it'll become the land of of, of milk and honey, and people will be streaming back in, and, and we're going to build a you know. Within 10 years of independence, we're going to have a, a, a really vibrant first world economy that is going to put South Africa to shame. And it's going to be what South Africa should have been. That's the ridiculous scenario. Mm. You know, we, we're reluctant secessionists. It's not that we didn't want to save South Africa, but you can't save South Africa when 73% of the people in the other eight provinces want the ANC or the EFF, which is the, which is the scenario. And, you know, so, so, so here we are in the Cape. We don't want that. So we have to save ourselves um, and, and, and build a country from here. So full um, Cape secession is going to lead to a civil war. The ANC is going to send their helicopters, the jets, the submarines, nuclear missiles, Carl Niels. Um, why do you want everyone in South Africa to die? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 and I, if, funnily enough, I, I presume that question would have had so much more credibility 10 days ago, uh, sure. having, having seen what the, the police and the army yeah, can and can't do in, yeah. in, in KZ and Gauteng, then I, then I think it slightly becomes a moot point. You know, I saw the, a slightly hilarious article this week where the president had announced that 25,000 troops were going to be deployed, and then somebody else announced, but we don't have 25,000 active troops to deploy. So, I mean, look, but but look at that you know many ways that's that, that's a side issue the bottom line is that the civil war is is just an argument that people um make to try and shut down this debate because because the question that people can't argue with is is the democratic will of the people of the western cape what do you want what do the majority want let's do it so actually that's the question that, that has politicians running scared and because they're running scared on that issue, um, then you end up in a, in a scenario where they start finding finding other issues to distract you from the one they don't want to be talking about. And civil war, of course, is one of these very popular ones that does exactly that. Um, and, the, and the reality is with 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 civil war, who civil war between who, you know, at the end of the day, that the independence movement is entirely peaceful, we don't we don't have a armed wing we're not a terrorist organization we have no intention of getting into a into a, a an armed conflict with south africa um so so who would the civil war be be between do we think the anc is going to roll tanks into the western cape to undo the a democratic referendum in in, in the west again i don't think so i think mm. i think the, the the world would it would be it yeah. would be an absolute betrayal of everything they've ever stood for and actually they would become the, the the pariahs of the world and actually all they'd do is they'd make cape independence an absolute certainty although perhaps they'd delay it six months or 12 months by their you know by the obstinance yeah, I think the problem is a lot of people have this sort of mindset, okay, if you have independence, you have to grab your rifle and run into the streets. But I mean, if if everyone just stops um, listening to what the government says and just stops paying taxes, 
there's literally nothing what that they can do. I mean, they can't just arrest everyone and throw them in prison. I mean, yeah. what can they physically do? And look, and, and in fairness to, to 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 the ANC, look, I I, yeah, I really am no fan of the ANC, and and and, and you know, uh, but uh, but in terms of of civil rights. They've been pretty good. You know, at the end of the here we are having a conversation about Cape Independence. This is the umpteenth conversation I've had. We've run an organization. We've got websites. We've addressed the press club. We, we've won polls. We've marched on the streets. At no point has the ANC tried to stop us, tried to mm. shut us down. You know, they, 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 they have played by the rules of the game. Um, so, you know, and, and let's look at, you know, one of the current independence movements. Let's look, let's look at Scottish independence. There's no civil war. There's just there are just people arguing for their for their various perspective points. Ultimately, then there was a there was a referendum. Now people want a second referendum. Whether they'll get it, I don't know. And actually, that was negotiated sensibly by grown ups and adults. And I would love to think that we would get something similar in, in South Africa. I suspect it won't go quite as easily as that. Um, but I, but I also really don't see, uh, you know, tanks rolling through the streets of Cape Town to 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 crush the the democratic will of the Western Cape people. It, it, uh, yeah, I think I think people people are are threatening or talking about a civil war for for their own personal uh, gains. They they want to scare people into not supporting Cape independence. Yeah, I, I think there's also some people outside of the Western Cape that are scared that this might happen because, like in Afrikaans, you would say they're in their chops. If the Western Cape would be to see they're on their own then. But um, some would say, okay, but you need recognition if you were to secede. How would you answer that criticism? How do you gain recognition for the new Western yeah. Cape, uh, Cape of Good Hope? So look, so I, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't disagree with the, with the statement at all, and I wouldn't see it as criticism. I think that is exactly how how um, sovereign states are, new sovereign states are formed, and the, the Western Cape will need recognition. I think there's little doubt about that. You know, at the end of the day, if, if nobody recognizes us as, a, as, a, as an independent country, we're going to have a very difficult time. The question is, are we going to be able to get recognition or not? And, and um, you know, my, my firm view is that we won't have any problems getting recognition at all. I mean, it's, it's kind of back to the Kuberg situation. Yes, there's going to be lots of, 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 of discussions. Yes, it's not, it's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, but, but fundamentally, if the people of the Western Cape, in a democratic manner, uh, in, in, in internationally monitored referendums, declare that they want Cape independence, and the government of the day negotiates for Cape independence, What's not to recognise? Yeah, why would the, why would the Western Cape's key trading partners, um, who have historic links with 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 the Western Cape, so I mean the, the two biggest trading partners for the Western Cape are still the UK and the Netherlands. Um, you know why why would, for example, those two countries not want to recognise the democratic will of the people in the territory that that that, that they effectively founded? Um, yeah. And I think uh, you know. People sort of assume that somehow recognition is impossible to get, but actually the world's full of countries that have got recognised, and it's it's going to be a difficult diplomatic process. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fine. And look, and yeah, and obviously we're limited what we can talk about. But I mean, we've really started to have those conversations, and I have to tell you that broadly speaking, um, yeah, and not not and not particularly at, at government level, but with but with with yeah with key players in 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 countries that we would target for recognition. And I have to say, thus far. You know, people absolutely get it. In fact, my, my initial reaction is, is I, as I've gone into sort of meetings trying to explain very delicately, thinking I'm going to have this real 
you know, awkwardness to how do I explain to somebody who doesn't understand South Africa what's going to happen? And actually, people are almost cutting me off in the conversation. So, look, so we get it. We get it. We've watched what's happened in South Africa. You know, we we could we you know we, we can see we if we if those that have visited South Africa can see the difference between the mm. Western Cape and and the rest. They can they understand instinctively. So I was utterly amazed at you know at the people just they, they, they make sense to them. So I'm not expecting any issues with 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 recognition. Yeah, I think the, the tourists can definitely see the difference between Cape Town and Johannesburg, for example. Yeah. And um, just as a strategic thing, I think the Americans, for example, would have no problem recognizing Western Cape because Africa is extremely quite hostile to Europeans and, and United States. And they can sort of find an ally uh, in the new established Cape of Good Hope sure. um, against Chinese aggression. But, yeah. No, but look, I think, look, I think, I think the U, the U.S. obviously would, is 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 a is a key recognizer, and and clearly would have been much easier under a Trump government than under a Biden government. Um, but but look, I mean, the the the, the and there are challenges too. So so America, it's both sides. They've got an awful lot of secession movements of their own, uh, yeah. which perhaps makes them increasingly nervous of supporting other people. And on the other side. You know th their entire history is one of secession. You know America was created by secession. So so how do you, how do you not support the very thing that created the country that you are? So um, yeah, it's going to be a challenge. But I mean, the, the, you know, like you say, in 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 global politics, there are all sorts of factors, and and, and clearly, um, you know, this this closeness to China and 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 the so, so sort of communist socialist agenda um is 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 at play and always has been in africa and there will be certain countries who will be very keen to 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 to, to stop that and certainly that would play into our favor so phil um but it's an answer to this problem and a da has it just federalism we should and we shouldn't succeed we should just have federalism how do you <laughs> respond to that um the, the answer that they have to our problems yeah, interesting one. So, so, so federalism. So, so, so I, the the name is one thing. Let's just step back from there. So, 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 what do, what do we need to be able to create a first world country, territory, region uh, thing from there? So, so, and 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 what's and what's causing South Africa not to 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 succeed now? And I think, yeah, fundamentally, I think we've got we've got two real critical issues that have to be resolved. Yeah, you have to have control of economic policy if you're if you're going to if you're going to build an economy so federal if, if federalism were in a situation where it where it would deliver control of the economy control of the rand the reserve bank and economic policy to the western cape then 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 perhaps we could we could we could look at that that as a solution um the reality is it doesn't yeah you know, it leaves the anc and and you know probably in in the foreseeable future the anc and an eff coalition in charge of economic policy and does anybody really think that an anc eff coalition is going to deliver a first world economy and a, a first world country with a vibrant economy so that, you know that, that that's that's the one non-negotiable for us we must have control of economic policy and clearly in terms of for the reason we've talked about we also need to have control of of, of immigration and the borders uh, and and the biggest issue with federalism is that it, is that it doesn't deliver either um so so i think from our point of view yeah it, it, i think it'll buy some time it'll allow us to stave off the worst of the of 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 the disasters the so, hordes. 
the hordes. So, you know, in terms of, you know, I, I hope we get this done far quicker than that. But I mean, you know, in, in a lot of cases, federalism is kind of a stop or, or, or devolution, as it's often called in other countries, um, you know, is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a step on the road to, to independence. And, and if that's a step that we have to pass through, and if that's perhaps for the DA leadership, if the DA leadership have to, in their own minds, pass through federalism to get to independence, you know that's fine but it isn't that it isn't a long-term solution and we know that and and, and they know that um you know it, it, it does it does it isn't going to solve our issues we have to have control of economic policy so um but is it also very difficult to pursue that don't you need um 75 percent in parliament to to get that through anyway yeah look so 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 yeah good point look it, it, federalism is difficult so 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 um federalism in terms of obviously it requires two two-thirds support of the national assembly and the support of six out of nine provinces and the the difference and 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 people argue that independence would would re would require the same which remains to be seen um but the, but the difference is that federalism is is purely an internal process so in other words that is the case everybody's going to have to agree in south africa and there isn't really a workaround. And ultimately, in in independence, there's a clear workaround. You know, at the end of the day, we, there there is the the right under international law to declare yourself independent, and that and that was confirmed in 2010 by the International Court of Justice in the Kosovo Judgment. You know, there's no prohibition in, under international law on the unilateral declaration of independence. Is there? It's, that's a statement of fact, and that doesn't mean that the Western Cape is likely to declare itself independent just in that thing, but it has the ability to do that and i think that then obviously opens up a negotiation i think ultimately independence federalism and this and the the position between the two of them which is confederalism uh, it will all end up being political negotiations just as the end of, of apartheid was a political negotiation so the constitution is there but if you've got the if you've basically got the democratic will of the western cape people who are you know who who are overtly expressing their will to have change it's going to be very very hard for the for the national government to uh, to resist on the basis of of the the terms of the constitution to deny people because i think you end up with one of these misnomers and one of the one of the biggest misnomers Nomers, and it's something I would love to see tested somewhere. It rarely gets talked about. Is the notion that the South African Constitution allows for self-determination, but then, the, but, but when it comes to changing the Constitution, it requires two-thirds support in six out of nine provinces, and the two of them are in, are inherently incompatible. How can you have self-determination if, for you to have self-determination, you need two-thirds of somebody else's permission? It isn't self-determination. So, so you have this scenario that actually is. Is, is 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 inconsistent in the South African constitution. We have the right under international law and under the South African constitution to self-determination. Um, and uh, that doesn't necessarily mean we can have independence, but we can have self-determination and we don't currently have self-determination. And if the majority of people want it, then all of a sudden there is a requirement both in the South African constitution and in the African Union constitution and in the United Nations constitutions that uh, or founding documents that, that we have have a right to, to self-determination. So um, I don't know if, if you know these individuals. Well, I, I believe you watched that group discussion, but um, Nicholas Woodsmith and Martin van Staden would say it's not pro it's not efficient of you to go after the polling route or yeah the polling route. Yeah. You should rather focus on ground support, building that up first. What would you say to that that ground support? 
them saying that ground support is more important than polling. Sure. No, look, and, and I, they're, they're all people that I admire greatly. So I think, but I, but I think they they. Um, I, I, I think their argument is an academic one, and actually, we we are we are uh, forced to find practical solutions on the ground as an advocacy group, and we and we have to take our our limited resources and decide how we're going to best employ them. And um, and I think they probably have misunderstood the, the role that polling and referendums play. I think they sort of see it well. Look, you've got the information, but you've still got to go and you've still got to go and build up support for Cape Independence. Um, uh, and, and I think the point that they probably missed is that, that polling helps do that. You know, there are three million voters in the Western Cape. You know, we're not a big organisation. You know, we're not funded to the tunes of, of millions and millions of rand. Um, and, you know, to go and take a, a large scale marketing campaign to three million people is a massive, massive financial undertaking. Um, so you have to start somewhere and actually so 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 how do you build a populist movement you don't build a populist movement by going to knock on the nearest door and start from there and work your way through the three million because because i'll you know I'll, I'll be dead before i get to the end you, you have to change the political environment in, in 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 the territory where those people live and actually what you have to do is you have to open up the political space for other people and the ideas to, to come in. So, so, and that's very, very key to our role as an independence group. That's one of our key, key uh, goals is to, is to open up this political space and to get people engaged in Cape independence. So, so polling, yes, polling gives you the, the, the some some key numbers, but more importantly than that, polling forces people to engage. You know, one of the biggest criteria with one of the biggest objections to Cape Independence is people just don't think it's possible, um, and then people also you know, try to shame other people. You know, in the end of the day, like you know, you're crazy. It's never going to happen. You're you're so so. Polling plays a critical role because it shows people that actually you're, you're not the only person think this is a good idea. Actually, you know, at the last time we polled, one point one million people if we extrapolated the data thought Cape independence was a really good idea which was which was one in three people in the western one in three Western Cape voters um, more than one in three Western Cape voters so therefore it's absolutely critical and off the back of that then all of a sudden that allows political parties to start engaging so so arguably on the back of our first poll we generated massive amounts of publicity around that and there were loads of media articles people talking about the polling on the back of that polling we were able to hold a march um, on the back of that polling, the Freedom Front and they openly announced their support of Cape Independence. On, on the back of that, we were able to engage the DA on numerous occasions, and ultimately we've ended up. So, 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 so rather than seeing polling as a you know, a, a, a scoreboard or a check of where we've got to, you've got to see polling as a catalyst, as a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're opening up the space, you're allowing people to move into that space, and once, and and you end up with. The, the newspapers talking about Cape Independence, you you end up with your critics talking about Cape Independence, you end up with, with a whole debate and all of a sudden people are introduced to, and that is building the movement. So where they've missed is polling is, is one of the critical steps to starting to build that mass movement because you're creating that space that people will rush into. So actually one of the things that we say is we don't try really as an organisation to influence the end user. You know, we're not, we're not primarily engaged with individual voters there are other organizations in the independent space who do that the political parties cape exit our role in as, as an advocacy group is to influence the influencers you know we we have to get people talking about cape independence and that will filter down and that's what creates the the, the mass movement at the end so polling is a, a critical part of our work yeah um yeah, I definitely agree with you that a poll is a very easy way to show support rather than, I don't know, thousands of people 
who might support you. I mean, it's it's an easy thing to just plant on a newspaper and just show. And it, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. All of those things that you mentioned led from those poll uh, that polling. Yeah. And um, I don't understand why you can't do both. I mean, you could yeah. you can do the grassroots support and you can do the polling. It's not a question of either or. I mean, yeah. And um, but do you believe the Cape Independence? movement will be better served if it was united under one party or do you think it's okay the situation as it currently is where there's the freedom front plus the cape party cape i don't know the other parties that also support independence would it be better served if it was just one party championing this yeah well, look. So I think I think actually there's, a, there's an interesting bridge position between between um, the two. So when we talked about polling, we talked about mass support. The, the, KPEG City is an organisation who have worked really hard and actually done phenomenally well. So KPEG City have got 810. I think last last time I checked with them last week. 810 or 811,000 confirmed mandates of people that have given their ID number uh, and, and and signed up to say, I support Cape Independence. And somewhere around 90% of those are in the Western Cape. So that is something like 25% of all Western Cape voters. It's an absolutely phenomenal achievement. Um, they they will open that to to uh, uh, scrutiny from the IEC. And look, whilst I've not seen the data myself, I, I work fairly closely with the people at, at, at Cape Exit, and I absolutely accept that those figures are genuine. But the critics of Cape Independence don't want to believe that. But yeah, people are now starting because it because that really challenges their notion that nobody wants this. People are trying to discredit Cape Independence. Now, there's the irony. It, it, when we come back to our polling argument, polling is expensive. But I mean, you know, actually, we've got to raise a bit of money, and then we and then, and then we then we go to a polling, a professional polling organisation. We pay our money, and ten days later, we we have the data. KPEXIT grafted for a, for eighteen months to to get to that same number, and we'll have the same number in a week. Now that is what they've done is absolutely fantastic and i take my hat off to them and it's critical information for us because one without the other doesn't really work but that's the value you know 18 months work for an organization and nobody believes you at the end of it or or you, or, or you go once and you pay your money to a polling organization who's got a, who's got an independent reputation and actually nobody can really hmm. argue with Makes it sense. and that's the value of polling you know it's um but that comes back down to so in terms of of all of the groups I often use the, the, the analogy, you know, you can't, if you build a house, you need different trades. You know, you can't, if you only have bricklayers, but no electricians, you're not going to have a very good house. You know, you need a bricklayer and you need an electrician, you need a plumber um, and, to, to, and a carpenter. And then and those people work together with their individual skills and you end up with the house that you wanted. And that is, and that is Cape Independence, you know, and each one of us has our individual roles and, and we, and we simply can't merge. Um, you know, we, we're just doing different things. We work to, people don't understand how closely we work together. We all know each other on, you know, on, on very good terms. We meet regularly. In fact, we have a formal meeting once a month where the main independence groups come together. Um, yeah, we, we absolutely cooperate. You, you saw the march when we marched in Stellenbosch. Yeah, Cape Party was there. Freedom Front was there. Cape Exit were there. The CIAG was there. We all went together and we marched. When we, when, when we, uh, we all jointly let, released a press statement when the DA announced their, their referendum legislation. We do work together. But we're doing different things, you know. The 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 Cape Party and and the Freedom Front are political parties. They're campaigning directly for power, 
uh, and obviously we you know we, we we support them and we wish them well but we're not politically aligned we can't support one political party because how can we how can we be um in bed with the Cape party and and then go and try and negotiate with the da or with good or with the patriotic alliance we have to actually uh, and, and so so we support all political parties who support cape independence so therefore we have different roles so we can have a conversation with other political leaders in a way that perhaps they can't likewise you know we've just talked about us and our we do a lot of work in the media and we write a lot of articles now, now that's not cape exits bag but actually what they've done phenomenally well is is build up this massive database which will be uncontrovertible of 25 you know it's just it's, it's such an achievement that actually I, I never believed it possible myself if i was honest um but they've done it and and when we then go and do political lobbying which is which is a big part of our work of course we read we we we, we, we mentioned that you know the da have got 1.1 million voters uh cape exit i've got eight hundred thousand mandates and most of them are the same people um so you know we we, we it, the different parts of the independence movement work really well together and people ask about this all the time but actually they they, they, they should just relax and understand we all work together constantly and when, when we get a referendum there'll be one referendum and all of us will be pushing for the same thing and then you'll you'll see but, but if you look you'll see we're together now Okay, well, thank you so much for your time, Phil. I want to give you one last opportunity. Well, this has been very interesting, but I want to give you one last opportunity to add, blog or say anything that you want to. Sure. No, thank you. Look, and, and, and look, there's not much more to say. I think Cape Independence is fairly self-explanatory. You know, I think one of the I, I gave a speech at the at the, at the, at the press club um, a month or so back. And, and, and the topic was, you know, what's driving support for Cape Independence? Um, and actually, we summed it up. I'd say we've got a problem that Cape Independence can fix when nothing else will and that's and that's the message of cape independence yeah we didn't we didn't wake up dreaming of cape independence for those people who are still sitting on the fence we get it it's not that we were longing for cape independence i'm an immigrant to south africa i came here to come to south africa I didn't come to an independent western cape but i but but i've got a wife i've got children and i want them to have a future and they're not going to have a future if we allow south africa, the south african government that the, the other eight provinces want to elect to destroy this country we've got to save what we can and and, and, and build from there and what i would say from people is just get behind this uh, start believing it's possible it really is possible and and once you once you come to the 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 most people take a while it starts off as a crazy notion then they kind of sit on the fence for a while and they read a bit and eventually when they've played through all of the options they realize there is no other option and actually they then they reluctantly come and say okay it makes sense then get involved sign up with cape exit go and vote for the cape party or the freedom front or whoever else is endorsing cape independence if you vote da go talk to your da councillor and, and and push them on cape independence um if, if you're financially able to support an independence organization all of us you know re require funds to to, to to do these things yeah and if you've got time or, or expertise contact one of the organizations if you do graphic design if you do advertising if you whatever it is your skill is give your time um and you know together we can build this first world country this non-racial first world country that really creates a better life for everybody well, thank you so much, Phil, um, and to our viewers, if you've made it this far, please consider liking this video, sharing it as widely as possible, and subscribing to our YouTube channel. My name is Donald. This has been Worldview.